0: This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll free number at 1 800 259 9231, SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800 259 9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's Free Talk Live. Dot com. Lots to talk about tonight. Uh, starting things out with a pretty disturbing story out of Oklahoma, Arapahoe, Oklahoma. Now, it's kind of funny that uh, this story happens now because it hasn't actually been that long since we've talked about a sex ring, a uh, underground sex ring. Now, the last time we talked about underground sex ring, it was a uh, child sex ring uh, going on up in Vermont where a 12-year-old girl ended up dead. And that actually uh, sort of spurred a conversation between or a bit of an argument uh, between you and I, Mark, about the the nature of prohibition and how while the idea of child prostitution is repellent to pretty much everyone, it was my position that – Putting it into the realm of legality would take away a lot of the danger from the underground aspects of it. You disagreed, suggesting that uh, children could still go to uh, the police, for instance, children that were enslaved, could still go to the police today without fear of being arrested. Like you gave the example of a 10-year-old you know, going to the cops and, and t- telling on the child sex ring, expecting that he would get protected by the police. Sounds right. And it seems like a reasonable expectation on its front, unless that little boy happened to live in Arapahoe, Oklahoma, where an Oklahoma sheriff has now resigned after an investigation revealed he was running a sex slave operation from his jail. Now, no, this isn't child sex, but it is a sex slave operation being run by the sheriff of the county. Michael Burgess surrendered to Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation agents and posted bond Wednesday night, hours after he resigned as Custer County Sheriff amid 35 felony charges, including accusations of forcible oral sodomy, kidnapping, rape, and perjury, according to KOCO-TV in Oklahoma City. Investigators said at one point, Burgess oversaw wet t-shirt contests at the Custer County Jail. The 35 I thirty-five. I've seen
1: this article in the past. It's been it's a couple months
0: old. Yeah, it's old a couple it? months old. Okay, yeah, April seventeenth. Uh, the thirty-five charges against Burgess include bribery of a public official and indecent exposure, fourteen counts of second-degree rape, and rape by instrumentation. The Texas County District Attorney started looking into Burgess in May of 2007 after a participant in the Washita-Custer County Drug Court program told investigators that Sheriff Burgess made her have sex with him on a threat of sending her to prison, according to the television station. Because of a conflict of interest, Custer County prosecutors handed the case to Texas County authorities. Burgess had been sheriff in Custer County since 1994. Residents Hmm. said that if the accusations are true, it sends a bad message. One resident said that you can't really trust anybody, no matter if they're in power, because people in power abuse their power. Well, that's certainly the truth. If convicted on all counts, Sheriff Burgess could, uh, the former sheriff, could face a sentence of up to 467 years in prison. They said he's Ooh. also involved in a lawsuit over accusations of inappropriate actions. A source in Custer County also said that while it's likely the county's sheriff would take over, details of the secession will be ironed out. Or succession will I wonder, be ironed out. what if this undersheriff... Could have possibly known anything about this. Yeah, you have to wonder about that exactly. I mean, if the sheriff is running the show on a sex slave operation, or, you know, fill in the blank, it could be running drugs. Certainly, there are sheriffs around the country that have been accused of, uh, you know, importing various different narcotic substances and distributing them to an approved network of dealers. Uh, so, whether it's running a sex slave operation out of the county jail, or it's, uh, you know, running drugs. You have to wonder how many people in the department know about this stuff. Well, you know what? What always, uh, uh, what
1: I always thought, and I've uh, lived in a county where this was alleged on the the sheriff uh, as far as running drugs and that kind of thing. Um, it seems to me that if the people in the drug community know that everybody in the department's got to know, right?
0: Well, right, yeah. The, when the, you think about the, the per- word <laughs> on the street was that this particular sheriff was a drug importer. So how could you not know if you were working in the department? You'd have to be totally tuned out from everything to not come across those accusations, wouldn't you? I it mean, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear from somebody that's on the inside of law enforcement, somebody who knows, you know, about the brotherhood and how close these guys are. They, you know, cops hang out with cops, right? Yeah. So how could you not be aware of something like that? And of course, if you are aware of it, then of course you keep your mouth shut. Because you know that if you do something about it, the sheriff's, this guy's willing to deal drugs or run a sex slave operation. He's probably willing to defend his uh, little operation with a little bit of violence or some sort of retaliatory force against you or your family members. So you know that uh, this guy's cutting you paychecks or whatever every month. He's in charge of your job. You just back away from that there, son. Well, what's that? You heard old sheriff so-and-so's distributing drugs. Well, you just keep your mouth shut about that, and you'll keep your job. How's that sound, there, boy? Yeah, mind your own business. Seem unrealistic? It doesn't to me. One 9231 is the SACL C A I toll free line for you. Now, of course, uh, if if we could have legal prostitution, if we could have legal legal drugs, as there was once the—I uh, mean, that was once the case. Both of those things used to be legal before they made their silly laws outlawing them. If we had legal prostitution, then you could go, if you're somebody that's into slavery, you could go and hire someone that would allow you to subjugate them. Now, true, it wouldn't be real slavery because you'd be you know, paying them for their time and everything, but... It's close. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Is uh, people you know, pay the dominatrix ladies to exactly. do what they will think. That's what I'm talking about. It'd be spank dominatrix stuff. It'd be dominatrix with sex, because the dominatrixes in today's world legally can't engage in sex acts, right? They can spank you and stuff like that, or you can spank them, but you can't have any sexual activity going on.
1: I suppose that uh, some people believe that that's uh, the case. <laughs> I mean, it, it seemed to me that most dominatrixes probably. Uh, Participate in sex at some
0: point or another. I would guess you're right if they get to know the client, probably, depending on who they are and how they're running their business. But if you walk in for the first time as a new client, no way. Yeah, you probably just to. get spanked. So uh, with you know that in mind, I would love to hear from you on this at 800-259-9231. There's not really much else to say beyond the fact that the sheriff was running a, a sex slavery operation. <laughs> The corruption never ends. There's never any shortage of stories to talk about with these people. They have a monopoly uh, over the use of coercive force. And and they don't mind using it. They don't mind using it. And they've got the law on their side prohibiting drugs, prohibiting prostitution, which drives them business. Prohibiting competition, essentially. Correct. So there you have it. And there's more news. This is out of Flint, Michigan, another police-related story where Flint is seeking sponsors for police surveillance cameras. Talk about fascism in America. (laughs) Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Sponsors?
1: (laughs) This intrusion on your privacy brought to you by by
0: Target. That's crazy. Or whatever. And by the way, you're looking into the Target situation. We talked last night about this national service plan, which uh, Time Magazine and the AARP and Target are all combining their efforts to promote this nonsense idea, this sick uh, idea of national slavery—they're calling oh. it national service—and so, Mark, you are looking into getting in touch with the target people. Well,
1: I have uh, I have gotten in touch with uh, you know the, the, like some line or another and talked to some customer service type person. But and you're trying the, to get a name and right? Their, their supervisor and and you know my my message will be will be um, handed along the line
0: to the proper individual at this point. Um, and when that individual gets back to you, we'll have a name and we'll bring it to you and we'll give you a phone number or something, some sort of information so you can reach Today there's out to
1: been there's some there's some news on this front though today a the national been, service thing yeah um okay we'll talk about the cameras in a moment let's get an update on that there there's been some essentially the uh service nation uh organization that's yeah. uh you know getting the sponsorship the front group right yeah they have changed their website from essentially we're sponsoring you know a mandatory national service to this would only be voluntary they changed it today but that's that's not what the charles Wrangell uh yeah, yeah they're, they're gonna have a difficult time entirely hiding their uh, their their goals, but they're trying to hide their goals. I see. Either they're either they're hiding their goals, or they, you know, somebody was unclear as to what the goals were. I can't believe for a second uh, the target knows that what they're uh, that they're sponsoring a uh, summit on the draft. Mm-hmm. I think that what they what likely how this was pitched to these companies was. Well, hey, we've got a little program on volunteerism. Come on and yeah. sponsor volunteerism in your community. And Target is very community oriented. And, right. I, I, you know, the, I, I think that somebody just has, you know, just had no idea. Who who would imagine that? Please sponsor our summit on the draft.
0: 800 259 is the Seykel CAI toll-free line. We'll keep you in the loop as we learn more about this uh, Target situation. Uh, more coming up here about the police cameras. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, you can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features are free, including updates. Get signed up. And we will keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL, C-A-I. They've got a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. And SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you and your business. Their staff is respectful. They record every call. And they've got the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL, C-A-I. As uh, we continue here, we were talking briefly about the idea of national service. You've actually got a related email, Mark, so we'll get to all that. But first, your calls. Let's talk to Larry in Louisiana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Larry.
2: I, uh, well, you was talking about, uh, you say it might be a good idea to legalize prostitution.
0: That's not that it might be. It definitely would be a good idea. Your thoughts, okay. Larry? Okay.
2: Uh, I've been in countries where it is legal. Okay. Like the Federal Republic of Germany, they called it. And, uh, it, the problem is uh, legalization. They pay their taxes, but it becomes a federal job. So a 20 year old woman with a child with no skills, uh, she can get a job now at the local penis strass, It was called in Mannheim, Germany.
0: Uh, you're saying it's a federal job, meaning the government is running prostitution. Well, if you're route? paying
2: your taxes. You're paying the head feds, right?
0: No, I don't understand how. You're what
2: licensed you... to be a prostitute, so you're paying your taxes. So it's a national job. So if okay. you're on welfare, you can send, be sent down there because they got an opening for. Her.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying that uh, that that if you, a person happens to be unemployed, then they the the, the placement service might say, well, you've got to go down here, and it's a legitimate job. They Otherwise, that
2: in the Federal Republic of Germany. Right, that makes okay.
1: sense. I see what you're saying. And you're saying if they don't take the job, then they're probably not going to get their unemployment insurance, right? Right. Uh, I, I, see sure. what I see where you're coming from, and... I think that unemployment sh- um, insurance should be optional for employees. I don't think it should be run by the federal government. I think that everything the federal government gets involved in, it screws up. Yeah. I don't it, think it, we need state governments and local governments too. There's so no when need you for say licensing. Legal, should
2: they pay taxes on the income that they I don't get think
1: for?
0: anyone should pay taxes.
2: Okay, then they should uh, just each woman if she decides to be a prostitute can collect the money on her own and do it without her pimp so to say, which is the federal government becomes a pimp when they license them.
0: Yeah. Sure, yeah. Or the state or local governments or whatever. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, I don't, I don't believe in taxes. I think taxes are theft. And so certainly I I support re-legalization, but that does not mean I support regulation or in any way governmental control. Well, I think oh. the regulation, uh, self-regulation. Because
2: in the countries that it, it is legal, that's the way it is. So
0: There you go. Well, we're not trying to do what the other countries are doing. We're trying for freedom, total well, liberty. I, I and... see he's
1: making a great point, one that I had not thought of. And I think that uh, no woman should be forced, no woman or man should be forced into these things. I mean, imagine for a second, um, if you're out on unemployment and they tell you, Ian, that you have to, uh, you've got to go to the local uh, gay gay brothel. Or
0: you am not endless. on unemployment, nor would I be on unemployment. Or, or well, down
2: to it, penis straws. That's what it's called in Mannheim, just what it is. Straws like that. means That's street, a great you name. know the word penis means. Yes, yes sir, heard and I thank
0: you for the call tonight, <laughs> Larry. 800-259-9231. Well, I, um,
1: I don't have a problem with unemployment necessarily. I mean, even though it's a federal program, it's well, insurance that you pay for. Is it insurance? That's what they call it. Yeah, it's insurance against being
0: unemployed. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to, it's a federal insurance, a a mandatory
1: federal insurance program. I've got a problem with it from that standpoint that it's mandatory. Right. Yeah. If you want to volunteer in the 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 federal government, uh, you know, institutes it. But I think that it's something that people want because they don't know if they're going to continue to
0: have their jobs. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if it's a voluntary thing, then whatever. Then yeah. I, I I can't object to that. I
3: don't know how the I mean besides being mandatory with the program today I don't know if it's completely funded by the by the withholdings from, uh from employees' paychecks. Or is it subsidized? If, yeah, because it could be heavily subsidized too. But it doesn't seem like unemployment insurance would be all that expensive if there's a limit on the amount of benefits that you can draw. Most people tend to want to have a job rather than draw small unemployment
0: checks. So. And if it were market-based, if unemployment were a market-based kind of insurance uh, availability, then that agency would have a real interest in placing that person back in a job that they were interested in, in doing. Uh, and, of course, they would sign up in advance to, to consent that, yes, I'm interested in taking these jobs in the event of unemployment. And they, if prostitution were in there, then they could excise that or, or not sign up with that plan. So all of this can be handled right. in the
1: marketplace. I think prostitution is a legitimate uh, you know, job that, that should be legal for two people to contract. I don't think, however, that anybody, anybody should be required to do that job. No, of course not.
0: 800-259-9231. Uh, we, again, go to the story here out of Flint, Michigan in a moment. But actually, Mark, you had an email about national service, and I'd like to hear that.
1: Yep. it's uh, I'm... Not going to mention the name here, but it's pretty funny. Um, hey, Mark, for the, love the, love the show. I've changed my mind about a great many things after listening to your show for the past year. Some info on me. I'm a 37 year old software engineer with a major bank in Manhattan, aerospace engineering degree. Interesting aerospace engineering degree, working at a bank. Yep, those college educations. (laughs) Anyway, did, did four years active duty as an army officer. I'm not one for uh, writing or calling into shows, but the topic of national service on the uh, 28th of July show has uh, really got me fired up. I was an infantry officer in the Army, and your points about the military are right on. The military is frigging terrible. I learned, learned nothing from my time but that the military sucks. I did my time and I got out. My experience in the military pro- provided me with nothing but stories and health problems thanks for all. Thanks to all the vaccines from Uncle Sam.
0: Now he's responding to a caller, Ben, who had suggested that, well, the military's still good because you can go and learn skills. And we pointed out that, well, you could learn those skills any old place without joining the military and becoming their slave for four years. And he's saying, hey, I was in the military for four years it was an officer in the military for yeah, four years and I got nothing yeah with an aerospace degree
1: <laughs> if if they think they can get me to do um, one more second of service in quotation marks mm. they can uh, totally pack sand and if they think they can uh, take my wife to do service they can go F themselves I will move our family to Iceland, change my name to Bjorn von Hollenstucky. Uh <laughs> Please keep this topic alive. I don't want people to forget about this. It's the worst thing I've ever heard of.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll definitely be continuing on this topic. We've talked about national service for the, pretty much the history of this radio program. It's The winds have been out there blowing about it for years and years. This Charles Wrangell character... Continues to reintroduce this particular piece of legislation, and now Time magazine and some other organizations are really going to push hard to get this stuff passed through. I think to some extent, calling it national service is it 's also a loaded
3: term because it doesn't get <laughs> a distinction between whether it 's voluntary community mm-hmm. service or mandatory conscription and I think there's a big difference there I mean some people would argue that doing a participating in a local blood drive is a form of national service. You're performing a service for your community, for your nation, but you're not being conscripted to work for the state. Right.
1: There's something entirely different between going to the the local blood bank or um, the blood drive at your church, depending on how big your community is, and uh, giving a pint of blood voluntarily to help your fellow man and being hooked up to a machine and forced to stay there. Otherwise, you go to jail and them sucking your blood out. I mean, this, that's, that's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. There's a big, big difference there, people.
0: And now you're telling me that the Service Nation group, this front group that's out there organizing all this, you're saying they're trying to downplay the whole thing by pretending like it's voluntary? Right. They're trying to backpedal a little bit, but. Such a uh, nonsense. Yeah, they, they can't.
1: They're, they're, they're supporting the law, the National Service Act. 1 eight
0: hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231. Real quick, it says, sorry
1: about the mindless rant. The topic touched a nerve. You do a great job. And your reason, thoughts, and opinion are why I tell
0: tune in, don't tell Ian one 800 You weren't supposed to tell me that. More coming oh. up. Take control. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And uh, again... Those features include live streams. We've got a broadband version and dial-up version of the show, both enjoyable by you for free at freetalklive.com.
1: Travel less, meet online. Try Webex for free. Go to webex.com and enter promo code 600 for your free trial of Webex. That's webex, W-E-B. W e okay I can I can't just can't spell Webex. Mm-hmm. W e b e x dot com. Enter promo code six hundred to start your free trial of Webex today. I'm sure our listeners
0: won't have as much trouble as you,
1: Mark. It's pretty simple, you know. And and for those for those who have gone and tried out Webex, and there've been it's 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 been legion. Quite a few people have tried out Webex. Uh, thanks a lot. They've uh, just re reupped uh, for a nice big contract.
0: Cool. Hey, no better time than now to start looking into alternative options to driving to meetings. I mean. Do it online. Yep, it's,
1: When I say a big contract, I should say a big contract from from our point of view. <laughs> they got they they went they came on for a long time for quite a few ads. They got How's a good that? deal. Yeah.
0: All right. So uh, the story is out of Flint, Michigan. We're gonna still gonna get to it. We got to get to Alan first in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Alan. Um,
4: I think it's actually it's Aaron.
0: Aaron in California. You think so?
4: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm Aaron.
0: Yes, yeah. sometimes the board operator doesn't ask the caller to spell the name, and we get confused. But anyway, what's uh, uh, what's on your mind tonight, Aaron?
4: No worries, no worries. Yesterday, I was listening to uh, yesterday's show, and there was a brief uh, brief discussion about um, keep the government out of relationships.
0: Yes, please. So
4: I, yeah, oh, no, I definitely agree. I thought I would just share a little story about that. Okay. About five years ago, my wife, who, funny enough, is also named Aaron, uh, my hmm. wife and I, we were going to get married. And so we had the uh, we had the ceremony on a saturday. it was a, It was a lovely little ceremony, very small with the family. And then when it was all said and done, my mother came up to to Aaron, the wife, okay. and it asked, "Hey, have you gotten the uh, marriage uh, license filled out and signed yet?" And nobody told us that that had to be done before the wedding. <laughs> And we're like, well, we can't do it now because it's a weekend and the uh, the courthouses are closed. So we'll go on Monday. No harm, no foul. So we go in on Monday and we pay the seventy-five dollars at the uh, the clerk's office for the wedding license, and we fill out the uh, the paperwork. And we figure that's that's it. We've done all the paperwork that we need to do. But then they pull us aside into this little uh, this little room on the side of the courthouse. Yeah. And they bring a judge in. And we're asking, what's going on here? And they said, well, you have to have a ceremony. And we explained that we had a ceremony. We had, you know, a nice little Orthodox Jewish ceremony. We don't need to do this again. And they said, well, the state of California requires you to have one. And no matter how many times we try to explain that we've had the ceremony, we just need the paperwork, they weren't going to uh, let up on that. So we had to stand there while they performed the ceremony. Mm. So we were getting uh, we were getting impatient, and we were starting to actually laugh during it, and they were starting to get really, really irritated and upset with us. And so they you should be taking this more them.
0: seriously.
4: That's exactly what it was. And when it got to the point where the uh, the guy who was reading the stuff um, told Aaron the wife to repeat, um, "I promise to love, honor, and obey." My wife was kind of stood there and wasn't saying anything and the guy's like, Well you gotta do this. She says, Wait, is the California stating that by law I have to love this guy?
0: And obey him? Yeah, and him? and obey who? Obey who? who? <laughs> obey who? Was, you or the state.
4: Said, you know, we had we had the Orthodox Jewish wedding, but we had our rabbi um cut out all the stuff about um about uh obeying because mm-hmm. she and I, you know, we're pretty pretty equal in that. Yeah. So, you know, why why should that be in there? And why the hell is the state of California mandated by law that we have to uh, honor and obey each other? So she, uh, she wouldn't repeat, and he kept making, wow. like, trying to get her to repeat. And then finally she and I both, um, I guess as one mind, just said, this is retarded, turned away and walked out the door. Good for you. And um, apparently this whole little circuits that they put us through. This ceremony that is mandated by California law really doesn't mean anything because we got the certificate mailed to us in the mail a week later anyway.
1: <laughs>
0: Interesting.
1: <laughs> so um, they in the Jewish ceremony, they normally the Orthodox Jewish ceremony. I don't know anything about this stuff. They <laughs> normally have something about obeying the husband in there, and uh, you guys had it removed.
4: Yeah, we had we had that removed. There's a part in an Orthodox Jewish ceremony where the bride um, walks seven laps around the husband. Uh-huh. Um, we cut that, and we did uh, three. She did three and a half around me. I did three and a half around her. So we both ended up standing opposite where we were before.
1: That's interesting. Did you break some, some like, uh, flatware?
4: Um, we, we didn't have a glass like we were supposed to, so we smashed a uh, teacup.
1: There you go. <laughs>
4: but, you know, our our rabbi, he was an Orthodox rabbi, but at the same time, he was... When I say libertarian, I think I mean libertarian in the way that um, Mark is no longer uh, claiming to be. You no, know, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean he's more like a, libertarian. Like a Neil Bortz like, libertarian. No, no. He's no? more libertarian like you're a libertarian, Ian.
0: Even oh, I don't like that term. I, I know you don't
4: like that term. I, I won't don't accept like it term, anymore. But, but <laughs> this man will call himself a libertarian. Okay. But he calls himself a libertarian but fundamentally believes what you do
0: interesting huh. okay very good yeah. well i think that you've had quite an interesting experience there i mean what do you take away from that you signed their paperwork presumably you paid them money they they just basically signed off on the ceremony even though it never really actually uh, fully occurred huh
4: we never got more than 5 minutes into the ceremony we never got i never even got to uh, to say my state mandated vows we just got to hers, and both decided that this was dumb, and just turned around and walked away, despite them yelling for us to come back in.
1: Wow! Well, I think it's good I mean, news that uh, the, the the bureaucrats said, you know what? These people are going to live together, and uh, there's nothing weirdly really we're going to do about it. Let's just give them their little um, piece paper of paper and, and not yeah. annoy them, because I'll bet you they could have bothered you in some way, shape, or form. And uh, you know, the good sense just won out. Thank God! Thank well, goodness! I can, I
4: can I can tell you what I physically took away from this other than this lame-ass contract that they gave us, mm-hmm. which um, if I had it to do over again, I would have never married. I mean, I love my wife very much, but she and I both believe we would have never married because it's just a huge penalty under the state to do that.
0: But sure, especially if you end up divorcing.
4: Exactly. But all that you know, all that aside, what I physically took away from this is we kept a copy of the actual um, paperwork that we filled out to get the marriage license. Okay. And up here in the county that we live in, um, the paperwork—it's you know—it's just a Xerox sheet, a white piece of paper (laughs) with the uh, you know the stuff that Xerox onto the front of it, and you fill it out. You know, it's the application, right? Right. Um, The crazy thing is, on the very top of the application, it actually says, "No application for a California State Marriage Certificate," and it's got a picture. It looks like um, Word Perfect uh, clip art. Of like a little stick man and a stick woman like holding hands. But right. the craziest thing is the actual title itself, the application for marriage license, is written in this really bizarre like Halloween bloody font, like dripping bloody font.
1: Weird. That is bizarre.
4: We have no idea. They they wouldn't explain why they did that. That's just what it is. But we have that. <laughs> of of all the things about our wedding, we don't even have wedding photos because, I mean, what do we need them for? We know what we look like. Sure. But we did frame the application, and that is hanging up just because of the bloody flaw.
0: That's amazing. Maybe they just—maybe you know, it was just some bureaucrat having fun. I would you know, a little joke, a little inner office I, joke.
4: It's got to be. Well, I'm thinking that not only is the application, you know, a little office joke, but I'm actually thinking the state-run ceremony is a little office joke too. If if we can just walk out of it and they'll still mail it to us regardless of what we do. That really just seems like they don't want to be, you know, doing their desk work and just want to take a break and talk to a human being at that point. To force us to go through this, it's I, completely I, not necessary.
0: Yeah, I think if there's something else you can take away from this is that I mean the general message here is that when government bureaucrats tell you what your choices are, when they tell you something, when they have an answer for one of your questions, it's not always the whole truth. In fact, many times it's a, an outright lie. I mean, they told you that you had to go through with this ceremony, and they you know they made it very very clear that this was mandatory. You walked out and found out that sure enough, it wasn't mandatory whatsoever, and we. Find that our friend Sam from the Obscure Truth Network is discovering that many things that are supposedly the way we think they are are absolutely not the case. And uh, so a lot of things can come from asking questions and non cooperation. And I thank you for the call tonight. It was a great story. 800 259 9231 is the SACL CAI toll free line for you. You can bring up what you want. Sponsoring police surveillance cameras. We'll talk about it in moments. Free Talk Live. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. And it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy them on us. And if you like Free Talk Live and want to help support the show, then learn how you can promote Free Talk Live over at promote.freetalklive.com. Lots of different ways to help get Free Talk Live into more sets of ears all around the country and the world, and most of them are free or very, very low cost. Uh, Go to promote.freetalklive.com. Find out how you can help us out a little bit. That again, promote.freetalklive.com. As uh, we continue to discuss a story we brought up briefly earlier about the police, talk about fascists. Uh, They are looking for sponsors in Flint, Michigan, for cameras, police cameras, all around the city. Uh, In fact, they're looking for sponsors for surveillance cameras that will be mounted around the city to keep watch for crooks, according to the uh, website MLive.com. In exchange for cash, the city will plaster business names next to police logos on the pole-mounted camera boxes that sport a blue police light that flashes 24 hours a day. Don't have $30,000? Depending on the size of the check, smaller logos and even people's names can be placed on the boxes similar to those found on a NASCAR racer. The adop- 30 grand to sponsor one of these things i wonder if that's annually or i don't know that's a good question the uh, adopt a pods program is part of the unique partnership between the city and <laughs> i'll asset- call it unique yeah asset protection specialists a private security firm in flint flyers with the company's name and city logo have been circulating touting the cameras and plans are underway to put a paypal link on the city's website for camera sponsorship donations Police have been looking for a way to expand the program after being thrilled with a lone surveillance camera keeping an eye on things that Cecil and Jewel drives on the city's north side. But Flint's money problems, or given those money problems, officials have been forced to get creative in finding a way to fund the $420,000 price tag for 14 more cameras. While drug forfeiture money and grants should offset some of those costs... Supporters hope businesses will step forward with tax-deductible sponsorship money. And you know what I hope businesses do, too? That way I, if I were living in Flint, would be able to know who not to patronize. You want to support the fascist police state? Ain't no way. I'm sending you my business, and I'll be telling everyone else to do the same. And I imagine that uh, many of the urban neighborhoods there in Flint, it's a relatively kind of uh, an urban population, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's a Uh,
1: suburb of uh, Detroit. Yeah, a lot of the
0: people there probably had run-ins with the cops, probably had their friends and family members arrested for things like marijuana possession, stuff like that. Uh, I bet they'd be interested to know who it is that supports the police state as well. So I think this is just a great idea. (laughs) I I think it's a terrible idea, but uh, I understand what you're saying. While drug forfeit, again, uh, Jesse Ford is all for a camera in his Hamilton Avenue neighborhood. He says, we need one. He lives near a spot where a man was shot to death in the street on Tuesday night. He says, I know they're expensive, but something needs to be done. If he if he wants a camera, it it wouldn't be that difficult for him to put one up. That's true. But he'd rather have the taxpayers pay
1: right. for it. He wants somebody else to pay for it. Look, if you want a safer neighborhood, take some steps to do it. When yeah, I was... but it's the government's responsibility to protect people, Mark. Um, it's everybody's responsibility. When I was uh, well, the, it, actually, it's not the government's responsibility, but people believe that. W- when I was in living in uh, down in Sarasota, I was part of the neighborhood watch.
0: So you now know. that's actually effective, from what I understand. Mm-hmm.
1: You, I, when I saw people I didn't recognize in the neighborhood, I'd you know stop, ask them, hey, you know, can I help you out? Where are you going? That and kind of thing.
0: Neighborhood watch was created because the government people just aren't effective at reducing crime. And they can't be everywhere at once. And I understand that people believe that the government's out there to protect them, which is probably why this guy expects them to put a camera up in his neighborhood. He's a taxpayer, and he believes that they have an obligation to protect him. But what he doesn't understand is that the Supreme Court has ruled again and again that the government people have no obligation whatsoever to provide you with anything. Otherwise, they'd be obligated to get you a camera, right? About a quarter of the $400,000 price tag for Flint Township's network of 24 police cameras was paid for by businesses who wanted cameras on their property with the rest of the costs coming from Business Development Authority. Although sponsors for the Flint Cameras one have their pick of an exact location. The arrangement troubles the head of a Lansing-based government watchdog group. He says if it's such a good idea, why not use tax funds for the cameras? Although cities commonly partner with private businesses for services, he says they don't usually go to the extent that Flint is trying. Chamberlain worries that areas with more cash may get preferential treatment, while poorer sections get less cameras. The journal couldn't reach... You ...get fewer cameras. The journal couldn't reach Flint Police Chief David Dix for comment on the plan. Remember, this is the same guy that's going around telling people to pull their pants down or pull their pants up. It's the same city. Oh well. I guess he's gonna take a bite out of crime. Steve Mellish, I wonder how many times these cameras will be used to identify pants offenders. Yeah, I wonder. Anyway, Steve Mellis, the financial manager for Asset Protection Specialist, the company the city is teaming up with here, says they're looking for a mix of cameras. And so far, no one has stepped forward to sponsor one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, You know, I I just. The the cameras disturb me. It disturbs me that, uh, you know, the the ever watchful eye would be out there. um, Just. You know, keeping an eye on people. The the fact is that they uh, they don't deter crime from uh, the statistics that Great Britain shows um, that uh, streetlights, in fact, are a better deterrent uh, for crime than cameras
0: are. It's true, and uh, I I have to say I don't have a problem with cameras if they're on private property. I don't mind one iota being photographed while I'm shopping at Walmart, uh, when I'm in the parking lot, when I'm at an ATM machine, stuff like that in a bank. Doesn't bother me a bit because I understand that those are private property owners and they have and reasons you choose to come on their property I've chosen to come on their property and they have reasons to have those cameras to help keep their costs down in their business and to prevent robberies if they happen to be operating a high risk business like say a bank is operating. So it's totally understandable in those cases. Uh, but when it's the government doing it, then they're using those cameras to try to hurt me. They're using those cameras to try to catch me doing something that they have determined should be illegal, whether it's walking down the right. street with my pants around.
1: And the problem is with that is there's no way to know all the things that are
0: illegal. It's true. And even the government people admit that they, they themselves do not know all of the things yeah, that are They
1: illegal. don't know until, the, 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 until one of them remembers and then figures out that you're doing it wrong. But, of course, they never remember when their little buddies are doing it wrong. Mm, yeah, exactly. So one eight hundred
0: two five nine ninety two thirty one 259 9231 is the toll-free number here. You're welcome to comment on that or bring up what you want. Still to come here tonight, Army recruiters and how they're treating teenagers around the country, or at least in one place. It could be a place near you. Brad Spangler, in the meantime, over at bradspangler.com, uh, apparently saw Bob Barr recently, the so-called libertarian presidential candidate. And I know that uh, over on Free Minds TV, Nick, you and Toby have been following the Bob Barr situation and, and had some pretty harsh commentary towards the Barr campaign recently. Um.
3: Well, wh- yeah, we got some pretty harsh commentary in return because uh, uh, you and Toby had actually gone up to the Burning Porcupine Festival here in Grafton, New Hampshire. That's right. Where there was a mock funeral for Bob Barr and the Libertarian Party kind of. It was very cute. That, it was fun. Right. Kind of saying that the party had
0: jumped the shark. and um, You can see footage of that, by the way, at Freekeen.com.
3: Yeah, and it actually filtered out to places like, I know, freedomsphoenix.com was yep, carrying it. Yep, third-party watch third as well. Third-party watch. Which and, is apparently
0: owned by Bob Barr's people or something well, like that. Well, the review of the film
3: was pretty, uh, they definitely editorialized it heavily. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can read that over there. But most people on those sites, at least the ones leaving comments, were uh, unfortunately bar supporters. They didn't really get Well, those really are political
0: it. sites. I mean, they're, they're sites that are inhabited by people that are third party or, or Libertarian Party adherents. So when they, what they saw was these uh, the, the way the story was put, as you say, they editorialized it, the way they pr- um, promoted the story was that losers from the Libertarian Party, they just can't get over it. And look what they're doing now. Well, first of all, what they need to understand is the Bob Barr funeral, the Libertarian Party funeral, was not organized by Libertarian Party losers or Libertarian Party members at all. It was, in fact, organized by people that aren't even connected to politics in any way, shape, or form. There were a few Libertarian Party members that attended the funeral, but as far as the people that put it together, the primary individuals behind the funeral, a bunch of market-based voluntarists – they didn't want to affect any party changes. They certainly weren't at the convention, and they didn't. I don't think they cared. Now, well, I think that they, um, what they'd like to see is they'd
1: like to see uh, people uh, from the Libertarian Party who believe in freedom um, to, you know, sort of move over to their side of the fence. You know, their little their little quarter of the sandbox, which is,
0: yeah. you know. Um, the outside the system, market based activism. Yeah, that kind of thing. I, the, I, I don't know if that's
3: necessarily the case, though. I mean, if it had been Harry Brown or even Ron Paul running as the nominee somebody who actually consistently applied libertarian principles when they were campaigning, I don't think you would have really seen the funeral go forward. It's a good point. I, 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 don't th- I don't think most people, that. even among the market-based voluntarist crowd, really would have taken the time to make a point about it, Right. except it's Bob Barr. And if you look at the positions he advocates now and the ones he advocated recently as a Republican – it's very troubling that he's his nominee.
1: inconsistency. It seems, um, you know, oh, yeah. like he doesn't seem to quite get this whole liberty message no. right now, and uh, you know that's that's what bothers
0: me about the whole it's thing. An and I think
1: the jump the shark is a really great and apt, apt thing to talk about, uh, to say about the Libertarian Party.
0: Yep, the LP is dead. The funeral was quite appropriate, and Brad Spangler has uncovered. I guess uh, Bob Barr appearing on television recently saying exactly why it is he's running for president. And we'll explain his reason here in moments. It's Free Talk Live, Hour
5: 2, coming up. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right?
0: This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want, toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch here in hour number two of the program. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We will start things out with a quick story from bradspangler.com. He had, I guess, uh, encountered Bob Barr, uh, a video with him and uh, being interviewed by Keith Olbermann. And according to the blog post here, Bob Barr recently said he's running for the office of U.S. President on, by the way, the Libertarian Party's ticket, in case you are just tuning in and did not know about this, in order to, quote, rekindle people's faith in government, unquote.
1: Yeah, there's a good libertarian stance, rekindling people's faith in government.
0: What else? I mean, as Brad points out in his title here, it's all you need to know about Bob Barr. If you love liberty, then you understand that government is the enemy. That government is a dangerous construct.
1: That well, at, at the very least, you understand that uh, philosophically, it, it, it's evil. That's why they use the terminology lesser of two evils. And um, that it's inefficient. It just doesn't work.
0: And the biggest problem we face as libertarians, or uh, not even, I don't want to call myself that, people that love liberty, is is the government's cloak of legitimacy. Is that people do have faith in government. And... Breaking that down is very, very important. And you've got a candidate running for the Libertarian Party who's saying that his purpose is to build that up. I mean, that's not so. It, it, yeah, it I don't care. I don't care at this point what Bob Barr comes out and says about, oh, I, I've changed my mind on the war on drugs, which is what he claims. He claims he understands it's a failure now. And I don't know what else it is he's come out and changed his mind about. But now, I he's don't a former care. Georgia senator, is that right? Uh, I think he was a rep. Okay. He was a rep,
1: uh, US House of Representatives member. Just wanted to uh, you know, set the stage for people who might not know who this gentleman oh,
0: is. Oh, this guy was a he the funny thing about Bob Barr is years ago the Libertarian Party ran a concerted campaign against him in Georgia. He was identified as one of the worst drug warriors in Congress, and they, they ran hard and campaigned against this guy and, and helped. They weren't the only people campaigning against him, but they helped get him kicked out of office. I think it was back in 2002. Now the guy's their presidential nominee. It's very odd. Right, and of course I was suspicious right off the bat, as were many other people, and uh, of course Nick and Toby over at Free Minds TV, FreemindsTV, freemindstv.com. You guys have been discussing it over the last few shows. Some of your emailers very upset that you are critiquing the Libertarian Party in this way. I haven't gotten a lot of emails about that, uh, but certainly people out there listening are, you know, that are sort of these party adherents, they're very upset at the fact that people who formerly called themselves libertarians are now distancing themselves from the party as a result of this, and they're trying, to, they're trying to call us losers, and that, hey, you're just a bunch of quitters, you're running away here, shouldn't you fight for what you believe in, shouldn't you get active in the party and try to take it back, try to wrest control back from those who have uh, taken over the party from the inside so you can nominate your own people? You like, should. No. If, you should if you feel like it. Right, and I don't because it's a big waste of time trying to overtake another. You know, trying to overtake the organization from inside requires a, a lot of time and effort, and, and, and what it's has politics. the politics
1: and what has the organization brought Not so a far? Damn on the, thing. on the national level,
0: really nothing. Some of their candidates were great. I mean, Libert, uh, Harry Brown was right. a great candidate. Michael Dukakis was pretty good as well. I, I think they did some good jobs educating people, um, but really, and that was the primary purpose of the LP when it was founded, was to be an educational organization. The fact they were running campaigns was to bring people to the message of liberty, and now you've got a candidate who isn't even close.
3: Yeah, I mean, that. well, the the real primary purpose of it was education. They, it's you correct. know, candidates always say they're running to win. And at lower-level offices, I mean, you might get a state rep elected as a libertarian. It's happened before. I know it has in New Hampshire. Um But you're not likely to win the office of the president, and Bob Barr is not. A lot of people within the party are excited, the political types, because he's going to get 10%, and they're willing to trade basically all of the party's principles for votes for 10%, which is what the Republicans and the Democrats (laughs) did, and that's why we have politics as usual. So realistically, Bob Barr's still not going to win, and you've just destroyed
0: your message. Right. But if we were to believe these party adherents, the only solution to liberty in our lifetime is to really fight back and go to the next Libertarian Party convention and spend thousands of dollars, you know, hundreds of dollars to fly down to Atlanta or wherever it is that are going to hold the next convention and try to en masse a a, enough supporters in order to get in there and change things back to the way we think they should be. Well, I don't care anymore, because if you can win that battle, which is hard enough to win because the party, again, has been overtaken by unprincipled uh, Uh, What essentially are neoconservatives at this point, at least in comparison to the old ways of the party – Uh, it's just a big waste of time and effort, because even if you can succeed at taking back the party, then you've got to go back into the realm of the rest of the political world and fight against the other political parties in which the deck is completely stacked against you. So it's really, to keep trying to win through the political system, at least as far as the national level is concerned, because they have been having some success here in New Hampshire. Not necessarily the Libertarian Party, but the politicos have been having success. But to try to keep fighting back at the national level is a tremendous waste of time and effort, and it's a fool's errand for anybody that's attempting it i wish them the best of luck but i'm not playing anymore
3: certainly at the national level i think it's unlikely of course you know bob Barr was only nominated by a narrow margin too so if the party adherents want to fight it out maybe actual libertarians will win out if you know if that's what people want to spend their time on i think mary ruart in the last round of voting there had got like 46 percent of the vote so it was, it was a very close. I guess it's it- going
0: to be worse next time because oh, the probably. bar candidacy is going to open the, you know, make the tent bigger and these un- more unprincipled people are going to come into the party and it's going to become even more difficult. So I'll save my money and spend it on real activism that makes sense. Uh, activism outside the system or market based activism. We're going to talk a little bit more about somebody who's in- engaging in that. But real quick, some more comments from Brad Spangler at bradspangler.com. He points out that Barr says he's he's running to rekindle people's faith in government, and that's an anti-libertarian agenda. Now, agorists, in particular among libertarians, recognize that perhaps the most crucial task in the process of building a revolutionary libertarian class consciousness is attacking and destroying faith in government. Only a fool or a villain would want to restore people's faith in government because both the supposed moral legitimacy and the supposed practical utility of government are lies. They're myths. Tales and whoppers. BS. Those falsehoods are not merely lies, however. They are the lies that form the foundation the entire system of oppression known as government rests upon. And then he points out that uh, they've uh, apparently, William Lind has observed that fourth generation warfare is fundamentally about a universal crisis of legitimacy of the state. So the state's having a tough time. I mean, look at the. The uh, the numbers in the polling data from just average Americans saying that 9% are saying that they favor what Congress is doing. 9%, 9%? The lowest number, I think, in history, something like that. So it's clear to these people that have a stake, a vested interest in the state and the political system, people like Bob Barr and his supporters, it's quite clear to them that the legitimacy of the state is in danger. And that's why he's out there saying he wants to restore people's faith in the system. He's not running to take down government, to dismantle it from the inside. He's running to boost it up in people's heads, to make them believe that there is another choice out there and that you know this whole Democrat-Republican line, oh, just vote for the Libertarian and you know it'll, it'll prove the system works again. The system doesn't work. It's inherently broken because that's what government is. It's just a broken, sick, twisted system being forced upon people at the threat of violence. And to have this guy out there labeling himself as a libertarian and touting very clearly anti-liberty ideas in an anti-liberty agenda is despicable. And anybody that cares about liberty that is supporting this man needs to take another look. I had had an open mind, right? After the Bob Barr nomination, I said, I'm not going to rule him out. I said, I'm still deciding as to whether or not to vote. And when he came out with his anti-drug war article, he got a couple points in my book. It wasn't enough to push me over to a supporter. It wasn't even enough to push me over to vote for the guy. And with this news, no chance now.
1: Well, it could be, you know, like a slip of the tongue. I mean, it's just it's what one phrase. Give
0: people, uh, you know, believe in government or whatever. It
3: could be, but it's not. I mean, if you look at... It's just he's not a libertarian yep. at all.
0: That's a clear message that uh, that he has sent to those of us that care about liberty. And I wanted to make sure you heard it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the sacl C A I toll free line. You take control. It's free talk live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy all those on us, including the wiki. Get interactive with over 1,700 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com and change what you see. You can pretty much change anything on there. Wiki, wik freetalklive. .com. In Chapter 6, Subterranean, Tad Galahad Goes to Hell. In hell, he finds nanobots, killbots, sexbots, supermodel clones, immortality, and a rocket ride off this pale blue dot. Go to freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. As we go to Sam on the line in Texas, calling on the amp line. Hello, Sam.
7: Hey, good evening, gentlemen.
0: Hey, what's on your mind?
7: Well, I uh, yesterday went to a city council meeting.
0: Oh, uh, how I boring. Know,
7: I don't know how many of those you, you've been to, but this was the best damn meeting I think I've ever attended. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, I went in, well, first off, I um, I have called in earlier to talk about how I uh, filed all of these motions with the court for these traffic tickets that uh, I've been asking some questions about. And the Questions
0: judge, they don't want to answer.
7: Yeah, he just—he really didn't answer them and didn't address the really important ones in the uh, motions that I filed. Told me I couldn't bring a camera in because you know he just—he didn't think it was necessary, mm. even though I'm requesting it and citing out the law where it says no, it is.
1: You know, and it's—it's fu- it's funny these guys uh, apparently they don't like the light of day shown upon their nope. activities.
7: <laughs> they don't, and so I—I ca- I went back and decided, all right, if he's not going to be straight up with me, I'm bringing the camera and we'll see what happens. So that's what I did, and that's when the uh, police officers really didn't like that too much and kind of attacked me several times, and uh, it, it was a whole long ordeal. So I found that I went and looked up and thought about, hey, why don't I go to the city council meeting and talk at the open session? And there was one yesterday that just happened to be uh, where I could go and do that. So I put together like a three three three-and-a-half-minute clip of the key scenes from that encounter, and I went up on stage. Well, first off, there were um, about 70, 80 people there. The mm. Boy Scouts Cub Group was up there, you know, <laughs> sitting in the audience. They were getting autographs from the politicians and Wee. looking up to them and stars in their eyes and, oh, thank you, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I was – I saw on the other side a group of about 20 or so police and other bureaucrats and friends of the bureaucrats who had – You know, just kind of congregated on this other area. So I went and sat right in front of them. Mm. And uh, the uh, politicians on the stage were waving at them and stuff. And I was the first one called up. And uh, I went up there and kind of explained what had happened, gave them a little quick rundown and started playing the video of uh, their police basically attacking me.
0: Which, by the way, people can see the video you played at ObscuredTruth.com, interspliced with shots from, you actually had your camera there, uh, interspliced with shots from the actual city council meeting. So you can actually see, this is brand new footage. If you, if you saw Sam's original documentary, The Court of Public Relations, you've seen a lot, but you haven't seen everything. Uh, this is brand new footage, interactions with different bureaucrats. It, it, this was a different court, too. Uh, and so it, you definitely need to go see this at ObscuredTruth.com.
7: Yeah, I mean, it was just amazing to um, sit there and put these arguments forward. What I basically did was went in and say, all right, you people claim to be upholding all of these values and these principles. Well, here's some footage showing how you're just simply not doing that. You're stepping all over my rights. Um, your officers are telling me they're not – they don't care or don't know if they swore an oath to the uh, constitutions and they're here strictly <laughs> to follow the orders of the judge. Is this the kind of company that you people run? And then I just let them sit in the silence and had the camera there filming their body language as they're squirming in their chairs. And oh, it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a good video. The only thing that could have made it better is if you actually had another guy with a camera in there getting shots, like real close-up shots of the the, uh, the city council members so you could really see him sweat because the resolution from as far back as you are, is, uh, it leaves a little to be desired. And that problem should be remedied when you get up here to New Hampshire and you've got a whole bunch of people helping you out with this stuff.
7: It will be. Yeah, they do have their own public television network, so I'm mm-hmm. going to see if I can get the footage from that. They don't. They didn't ah. post it to the web for some reason, so I may be able really? to actually get that.
1: They didn't show that to it. everybody. Oh, how no, interesting! For some
7: reason, they don't show the uh, public comments section. Huh? Only the official business. Isn't that odd? That's so, strange. W- any
1: reactions from the crowd? Any any kind of uh, b- besides you showing the footage to the uh, the elected it officials? Was.
7: You could hear a pen drop as I walked off the stage. I mean, it was dead silent. The next lady that came up was one of these people who had made it her life mission just to hassle the bureaucrats. Uh And she's like, man... That's a hard act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> the police have never treated me that bad. Well, maybe once. But then she you know, launched off into something about how we need more crepe myrtles down this certain street and the city yeah. should pay for it. And I'm just like, yeah, no. a
5: political activist. So
7: now
0: so one then, of the things you mentioned in your video was right after you'd finished showing the footage to these uh, so-called officials, these city council people, you, you actually demanded that they respond to you in writing within five days. Right.
7: Now, they have actually responded. One more thing really? I wanted to, go, to say okay. before we move on to, from there. Yeah. I went around the back of the uh, auditorium there taking some B-roll shots, and I was approached by three different newspaper reporters, one from the Dallas Morning News. Wow. I forget who the other two Now were they're from. interested. Yeah, now they're interested. They haven't called yet, and I don't know if they'll do a story because nice. it's a traffic ticket, and they think, oh, you know, the government's always right about traffic tickets, and it's not an issue of your civil rights or anything. Mm which is why they're becoming so irrelevant today, because they just take on this pro-state mentality.
5: Sure.
0: Very um, cool. So, then, so that's a yeah, neat they, idea. If the media is ignoring you, show up at a city council meeting where the media is and uh, and make your presentation there. That's cool.
7: And there's also a uh, 50th anniversary celebration for the police coming up. I'm thinking about going to that. Well.
1: <laughs> Will there be, <laughs> a, be a public a comments? Time. I can't imagine they would allow that. <laughs>
7: it's an open event mark I, I i can't imagine them telling me otherwise <laughs> can you <laughs>
0: I, I no i guess i can't all right so how, no. you you said you already got a response from some of the city council people
7: well not from the city council from the from the you know, police department they called this morning talked to the lady on the phone uh they they've mailed me the paperwork already i'm going to spend a couple days filling out the uh forms, just that's so they can do anything. They can't investigate because of their own laws, restrict them unless there's a complaint filed. So I'm going to go ahead and do that with some Not that you're expecting
0: anything from the investigation. You're just kind of playing around here. Is that
5: the idea?
7: Uh, yeah. I mean, the the reason I went to the city council is really to give these people every opportunity to uphold their honor and their integrity and live by uh you know what do what they say they're going to do
0: right we want to we want to good. give i think that's a great point we want to show and you know s- uh, splay as much light on these situations as possible and giving mm-hmm. them the chance to uh to to say some sort of apology or try to make things right in some way will just show when they inevitably do not uh that they're just a bunch of uh, scumbags well they cannot well they could fire yeah, well, the cops or something They could,
7: Mark, they could. They could say you know what, we were wrong here, we're going to dismiss the case, and then they send uh, two uh, council members out to talk with me about, okay, how do we fix this, and I we work out some suggestions and go from there. The fact is they're not willing to do that.
0: Okay. Do you have more to share, Sam?
7: Uh, that's
0: probably it alright cool good update people can go to obscuretruth.com to see the footage of the cops harassing you and basically saying that they don't care about what the constitution says it's great footage obscuretruth.com and uh, as always keep us in the loop Sam and keep up the great work 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll free line this is your show and you can bring up anything it's free talk live This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click download, enjoy. They're right there on the front page of the website for you at freetalklive.com. If you want to easily update the look of
1: those old cabinets or that old set of drawers, internobs.com offers a wide variety of pulls for every taste and budget. You can save 10% on your order by using code FTL at checkout. That's internobs.com, I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com, or see their banner at freetalklive.com.
0: 800 Coming up, we'll talk about secession and how Americans feel about it. Surprising numbers from a Zogby study in moments. But first, from Mark Greenblatt at KHOU.com in Houston. With a war in Iraq, speaking, by the way, of the uh, crumbling legitimacy of the state, this is yet another story that will help break it down a little further. With the war in Iraq and fighting on the rise in Afghanistan, the struggle to bring in new U.S. Army recruits is heating up again. It's been a while since we've talked about Army recruiters and their underhanded, scummy tactics. Irving Gonzalez, who's 18, got caught up in it all. As, as his family's oldest male, he feels he has to do whatever it takes to help out his single mom. For him, that means working long hours at his after-school job. He says, my mom was left struggling, and I would give her more than half my paycheck. That's why the Aldeen high school senior started thinking about the Army and the tens of thousands of dollars in bonuses that can come with enlistment. He says, they were offering me school and they were offering me bonuses, he said. So, Gonzalez signed up. But only to the pre-enlist in the delayed entry program. The DEP allows kids to try out the military without a binding commitment. But, the 11 News defenders have found there's a problem. Army recruiters aren't sticking to the program and are bullying and even lying to potential recruits and their families to keep them from dropping out. After he had a change of heart, Gonzalez became one such victim. He said he told his recruiter, I'd rather just stay here and go to college. The reaction? Gonzalez said a recruiter told him if he did drop out, they would send him to jail. Wow. Scared, Gonzalez called Sergeant Glenn Marquette, a supervisor at the Greens Point recruiting station. Marquette told Gonzalez there was no way out. So he heard it from the recruiter. Then he called the supervisor and asked for a point of clarification on that. Now, what did we learn in the first hour of the show from the guy with the marriage uh, license experience? Well, they they'll,
1: lie. They'll tell you that uh, you know, things are mandatory when, in fact, they're not.
0: Right. If you're talking to a government bureaucrat and they tell you something, you can presume it's a lie. I don't know if you can go that it's a, far. It's a safe presumption because there's nothing they say that can absolutely prove anything to you. You can, they can assume lie that it's as not much necessarily
1: the truth. How's right. that?
0: They can lie as much as they want, and there's no penalty on them for lying. In fact, these recruiters have been caught lying before, and they've been caught doing all kinds of scummy things in the past. And supposedly they always have You know, some big high-level bureaucrat comes out and says, "It's just well, we're looking into this. We're investigating this, and rest assured we'll make sure we put internal controls in to make sure that our recruiters are more. We're honest, and it never changes so let 's continue the story
1: well i you know I, maybe some recruiters that were uh, dishonest decide to be honest at that point or scared a little bit, yeah, but maybe. others come along i don 't you know, i don 't know the fact is um you know kids. The recruiters can be telling you lies. You just you can't be um, certain, and my opinion yep. is, with an organization like this, you just don't want to be involved. Why in the world would you sign up for uh, a co- an employment contract like they have in the military? I know they've got some uh, good bonuses out there, but the fact is, they're, they they don't seem to be beholden to actually come through on those promises. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more hoops involved in those promises
0: than you might think. Yeah, than they make it out to be in initially. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, it makes and th- it's stories like these, Mark, that make me wonder when the bureaucrats told you, the town lawyer, you were going to sue the town. You've now withdrawn your lawsuit. When mm-hmm. they told you that you would have to pay if you lost the case, I wonder if they were lying to you. I wonder if there's any way to find that out. Anyway, let's continue the story. So, again, two of these bureaucrats told young Gonzalez that there was no way out. The recruiter supervisor said, you signed a binding contract. But according to the story here, that wasn't true. Army recruiting regulations say delayed entry members can leave any time. They specifically mention under no circumstances will any recruiter threaten, coerce, manipulate, or intimidate future soldiers, nor may they obstruct separation requests. Further, they, their own rules state that at no time will any recruiter tell a delayed entry program member that he or she must go into the Army or that he or she will go to jail. So right there in their own rules, it specifically contradicts what these people are saying. Now, do you think these guys will have any sort of price to pay for, for lying in this case? I I don't
1: know. I mean, getting caught is not a good uh, – it's is not good when you're – You know, obviously they're incentivized to uh, get their uh, recruit numbers, but getting caught lying isn't particularly good for you, I
0: wouldn't think. When Gonzalez asked Marquette what would happen if he just didn't show up for service, a phone recording captured this reply. And guess what, said Marquette, you're AWOL, absent without leave. You want to go to school? You will not get no loans, because all college loans are federal and government loans. So you'll be black barred from that. As soon as you get pulled over for a speeding ticket, they're going to see you're a deserter. They're going to apprehend you and take you to jail. Marquette continued. So guess what? All that lovey-dovey, I want to go to college and all that. Guess what? You just threw it out the window because you just screwed up your life. Wow. Eric Martinez, 17, is another. You don't think young, that scares a young man. I hell mean, that's, yeah, that's scary. That scares the crap out of people, and they don't know better. They haven't read the rules. They don't know all sure. of the
1: bureaucracy. How could they? I mean, you're talking about the, the the code of military conduct or whatever it is. That's this. this it, it, it's it's tomes and tomes of law.
0: Anyway, Eric Martinez, who's 17, is another young recruit who also changed his mind. His mother said they make it seem like there's no way out. She said that uh, the nearby National Cemetery constantly reminds him and his mother of the risks and horrors of war. She tells me about the stories that happen in Iraq, and some people kill themselves or get shot, said Eric. But when Martinez was told, uh, or rather when the, Martinez told that to the recruiter that the army assigned to him, he said he too was threatened. And then his mom decided to intervene, uh, intervene. But when she spoke to the Greens Point recruiting station, they told her too that Martinez would be AWOL and go to jail if he didn't show up for service. Wow. This isn't the first time the 11 News defenders have found these sorts of problems, and at the very same recruiting station location. So, so much for them changing their ways. Huh, right. Mark?
1: I was just well, I was wondering whether uh, the possibility existed that they could there could be some confusion over what the rules were right. and that kind of thing. Uh, I
3: think that's unlikely. I know the recruiters know that you you have the ability to opt out, and yeah, most of the most people who sign up for delayed entry don't know that. But having known people who've signed up for it, even some of the recruit, I mean, a good number of the people who sign up also understand that until you actually go to basic training, you have the option to walk away.
0: So So the recruiters knew what they were doing. Yep. When we see these stories happen, uh, the bureaucrats getting caught red handed doing something they're not supposed to do. Usually, again, some uh, some bigwig in the bureaucracy will come out and say, "Don't worry, we're cleaning this problem up. We're investigating. We're going to talk to the people involved and uh, discipline them as necessary." And you know, this maybe it won't the, happen again on my watch. Right. And if something really egregious happens, then they might even transfer the guy. You know, they'll transfer him somewhere else. Oh, he's no longer with us, and you know, this is under control. And then they wait for the media attention to die down, and everything goes back to the way things were. There's more to the story. Again, remember, this is the same recruiting station that the very same news company here uh, <laughs> investigated back in 2005. In May of 2005, we found another recruiter from that station, Sergeant Thomas Kelt, had left this phone message to a high school student. This time, the issue was simply keeping an appointment to talk, just keeping an appointment just to have a discussion.
1: Here's what he said. So he hadn't even signed up yet? This is one of those... My, uh, from my understanding. You yes. know, they, 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 call, they call you up and they do, you know, they, they do phone solicitation. Oh, yeah. Outgoing you know, cold calls. They, yep. get, they, they get your number out from school or whatever, and they, they're like, Hey, how you doing? This is the recruiter. I yeah. want to talk to you. It'd be really great to tell you some of the opportunities we got going on yeah. here. Money. School. Come yeah. on down. Let's yeah. chat. And, you know, you may or may not set an appointment. I, I know I set one of the appointments, just because, you know, you're in you're high pressured. school. Well They're <laughs> high pressure, man. They're worse than the most high-pressure sales. People. I don't think you're used to it um, in that particular, you know, I, at in at high school I wasn't used to it. Here was some adult who was interested in my time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of a um, high school guy that wanted to, you know, please. So, I, yeah, let's. sure, I'm not going to sign any pieces of paper, but that sounds like fun. I'll go down and take your little test. I like doing well on tests.
0: I'll give you the first sentence here, and then we'll continue the story. This is uh, from the message the recruiter left him. By federal law, you've got an appointment with me at 2 this afternoon at Greens Point Mall, Okay. We'll come back with the rest here in moments. 800-259-9231. Hey, this is your tax dollars at work, right? This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, and it's Ian here with you. And yeah, Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there are free. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with the AMP program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send us 3 bucks a month. We take that money, reinvest it into the show, and get on more radio stations around the country as well as more Internet connections, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So get on board and get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. The story from khou. Eleven invest in one of those investigative TV teams. You know, mm. I, I, I like the work those guys do. They they're usually pretty good at uncovering some nastiness in the world. And boy, have they uncovered it in this case! National, uh, federal, military recruiters lying, threatening, scaring teenagers into coming to uh, to join the military, many of them who had already signed up for the delayed entry program, which you can get out of by the military's own rules, you are not in the military until uh, a, a certain point, and the delayed entry program is not that point. So these guys are lying, and they're threatening, and they're yelling, and they're scaring these kids, and there's some breaking news that, I mean, that just happened within the last couple weeks, but it's been going on at this one recruiting office in Texas, in the Houston area. It's been going on for years, and this very same uh, organization, 11 News Defenders, they found the very same sorts of problems at the same location back in 2005. It's amazing. At,
1: the, 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 the story where the uh, recruiter said that under federal law, you got an appointment with me, boy, you better be there. That's what we're talking
0: about now. Yeah. That that that's the most amazing of them all. Right. I, I just, I mean, it's an appointment. Yeah. So this is – we're talking about Sergeant Thomas Kelt back in 2005 left a message for a young man who had scheduled an appointment. Probably the recruiter called him up, said, hey, come on down. We'll talk to you about the opportunities. Uh, We got money for you, signing bonuses. Come on down. We'll talk about it. All right, sure. I'll schedule an appointment. How about 2 o'clock on this day? All right, great. We'll see you then. And then he makes this phone call and leaves this message and that was recorded on their answering machine. So – By federal law, you got an appointment with me at 2 this afternoon at Greenspoint Mall, okay? You failed to appear, and we'll have a warrant, okay? So give me a call back. Our investigation into I that. I can only call. assume
1: that he was ducking the uh, the, the gentleman's calls, um, the, the yeah. you know the, the recruiters
0: calls, as a lot of kids do when they get fed up with this crap.
1: Well, you know, I mean, uh, kids don't understand uh, you know the importance of appointments and that kind of thing. And if you make an appointment with somebody, even a recruiter, and you don't want to go, call them up and say, "Look, I'm not going now." With these recruiters, likely they'd threaten to throw you in jail. Right.
0: It's scary to talk to these people.
1: I, and and I, I I understand that portion too, but. You know, I mean, when you make an appointment with someone, have the respect to, uh, you know, call them and let them know what's going on.
0: Now, get this. Their investigation at that time led to a call or into that call led to the Army announcing a national stand down so all of its recruiters could reexamine their methods and regulations, just like we suggested they would. Oh, yeah, we're looking into this. Duh, trust us. We're going to iron this out. But just two months later, 11 News found that instead of punishing Sergeant Kelt, the Army had promoted him to the role of station commander at a, neighborhood, a neighboring recruiting station. So they transferred him out and gave the guy a promotion. That meant he would supervise and train other recruiters on how to do the job. And today, three years later, the Army confirms that Sergeant Kelt still holds that supervisory position, but has since been transferred out of Texas. So we wow. caught up with Sergeant Marquette to ask about these latest incidents where, again, the young men in the delayed entry program have been threatened uh, with jail if they uh, you know, do not continue with the program. Eleven News asks, I just want to know why you're telling young recruits they'll go to jail if they want out of the delayed entry program. What are you talking about? <laughs> We'd just like to know why you're telling them that. I'm on vacation right now. I don't really want to be bothered. Congressman Ted Poe believes there's an ongoing problem with the recruiters. He says, we don't want the government, the military, the army deceiving American citizens. He speaks from the position as a veteran himself who recently visited Iraq. We now shared with him 11 uh, figures that we obtained from the army that track how recruiters have been doing since our story three years ago. Turns out that instead of going down, allegations of wrongdoing are actually going up. In 2005, 836 complaints were filed against uh, military recruiters or rather army recruiters. That rose to 874 last year, and the Army is on pace to surpass that figure here in 2008. What's more, the number of Army recruiters given formal admonishments has nearly doubled since our first report, with 373 citations in 2005 growing to 635 in
1: 2007. Apparently, the admon- admonishments don't do much for your uh, nope. career. Uh, you know, this this guy that
0: we're, uh, this recruiter here that we're talking about got a promotion. The U.S. Government Accountability Office found the Army gives bonuses and other performance incentives to its recruiters based primarily on how many recruits they send to basic training. That's their job. But the Marine Corps focuses on how many recruits actually finish basic training. A GAO report on recruiting concludes that this criterion may deter Marine Corps recruiters from committing recruiter violations. It's the same point the GAO... GAO made reports, uh, made in similar reports a decade ago, in 1997 and 1998. But despite years of recommendations from the GAO, the Army has not changed its ways. And why would this matter? Take a look at another part of what Sergeant Marquette advised potential recruit Irving Gonzalez on what to do if he didn't want to join the Army anymore. This from a phone recording. You get into the basic training and you don't like it, tell the chaplain you don't like it. That's the right way to get out of the Army. Then they'll process you out of the Army, and it's nothing against your record. That would be the right way to do it, says the young man. Yeah, and guess what? If you do it that way, maybe in the future you'll say, well, darn, I'm coming to join the Army. Then guess what? You can. You can join the Army, because you got out of the Army the right way. You at least got to go to basic training and try it. I mean, that's the only way? I, I can't do it right here? Again, he's trying to get out of the, the delayed entry program. No, you can't. No, said Marquette. Whoa. The problem, U.S. Army spokesperson. added. Uh, the spokes bureaucrat Douglas Smith says once you report to basic training, you're a full-fledged soldier. While Smith made clear he can't comment on Marquette's specific situation due to an ongoing investigation of the matter, he said in general that once you at report to a basic training, it's harder to get out of the Army than if you ask for separation before enlisting.
1: Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me, but I, you know, th- th- this recruiter doesn't really care whether it's hard for him to get out of the Army or not. What he cares about is that he shows up at basic training, and then if he gets
0: out, then he still gets his bonus. Anyway, What's more, it costs taxpayers money, says Poe, and we certainly don't want people to fake an injury or whatever in boot camp just because the recruiter suggested they do that to get out of the Army permanently. But in a written statement, the Army's Smith confirmed that recruiters re- uh, receive recruiter incentive points for those recruits that ship to basic training. Smith notes the army does so basically this guy wanted the dude to go to basic training because that's what would it that's what it would take for him to get his commission.
1: Right. That's that's exactly what I was saying, yeah.
0: Smith notes the army now does award some extra incentive points when the soldier finishes basic training. What's the GAO say to that? This change was not like the Marine Corps system, which took away all the recruiter's credit if the recruit didn't make it through basic training. The Army's new system just awards them extra points. And the Army confirms in a written statement that its recruiters still lose points for those recruits that don't ship to basic training. Recruiting personnel are also penalized under their initiative pay. Their personnel must not exceed their command's loss rate in order to maintain their monetary incentive. That, said Poe, creates a conflict of interest for Army recruiters that encourages them to do whatever it takes to get a recruit. To ship to basic training, so hard to argue with that. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of bureaucrats here. The congressman's very upset. He wants to do something about it. But look, nothing was done three years ago, and to think that anything is going to change at this point is absolutely absurd.
1: Yeah, I I think that uh, the the Marine system is better of uh, you know giving incentives to recruits that actually finish basic training. However, you know, I mean it's it's all why do they need if, if it's such a great deal if it's so good for everybody involved why do they need uh, to have these contracts these uh, these these restrictive contracts what other business
0: in the world has contracts like these no other business could have contracts like those this is, I mean, you're you're signing yourself up for four years of, of conscripted slavery, basically. Well,
3: in a free market, you could theoretically have a business. You that, could, you, know, you could voluntarily sign your life away.
1: They wouldn't even let. Um, I, I used to sell health club memberships uh, along with uh, doing personal training at a health club, and they wouldn't even let us have uh, health club memberships longer than three years. <laughs> They're just having these kids sign up for six.
0: Yeah. So there you go. I mean, what else can you say about this? It's a bunch of a bunch of dirtbags. And they're threatening young people that, as you said, Mark, they don't have experience with salespeople. They don't know what they're getting into. They don't understand the rules. They don't understand. They, I mean, these guys are authoritarian to the core. And right, and they, they're,
1: they're exploiting the, yeah. um, the, you know the the, the the fear, the respect for adults, you know, the whole thing that that goes into this. They're beating to authority. These, yeah. Right, they're they're exploiting these young people.
0: Right, when a when a guy in a loud voice in a uh, military uniform shouts something at you about how you're going to go to jail if you don't listen to him. These kids are listening. Right. And they I, believe it. You know, they remember
1: the shop teacher, or the uh, gym coach doing the same thing. Look, if you don't pay attention, we're giving you a furlough, send you to the
0: office. Yep. It, you know, it's just, it, it's just like that. Remember, government bureaucrats lie, and military people are also government bureaucrats. I know. Some of them probably tell the truth sometimes, but you never know when you're being told the truth versus a lie. So don't believe a word they say. All right? 800 259 9231. And don't 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 join the military. Get a real career. Uh, hour three's coming up. It's free talk live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is Free Talk Live. As we, again, launch here into hour number three of the show, right to your phone calls. Uh, Coming up, though, some interesting statistics about Americans and how they feel about secession. Let's go first to Tom in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hello, Tom.
8: How are you this evening,
0: gentlemen? Hey, what's on your mind?
8: Uh, I just wanted to comment about the uh, recruiter story, and I wanted to say that uh, I get home uh, at a certain time. I I didn't catch the very, very beginning of it, but I have heard it before uh, about this tactic
0: and Just to bring our, before you comment, our listeners just tuning in, bringing them up to speed. The story was basically that Army recruiters have been caught red handed, lying and threatening and, you know, attempting to intimidate and scare, uh, you know, 17, 18 year old teenagers into coming and just just coming to meetings, but also coming and joining basic training when they don't have any obligation to actually do so. They're just outright lying to these kids and they're using intimidating tactics to freak them out and they're being called onto the the carpet again as they were three years before and they told they promised three years ago that they were going to you know review their processes and change things and make sure this doesn't happen anymore but it's happening more often now than it happened three years ago with all that in mind what were your thoughts
8: yeah i um i also want to say gentlemen that when i do arrive home from work i your show is one of the first things i turn on thank you and uh i always find it Interesting to say the least, a dedicated listener for the most part. And I just, uh, you know, the military, I've never been in and never served. Uh, I had heard about this even years ago to some guys I grew up with, went in like on a buddy system, and then they, had, and they immediately break you up, was the story. Hmm. And
1: it, you um, know, the idea with the buddy system is that you get to go in with a friend and uh, you'll that way, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. And, and of course, they break you up as it. Right. Heard the same. And,
8: and, you know, I don't expect any truth whatsoever out of these people from the top to the bottom, because, you know, where is the honor in that? There's supposed to be all this honor and, mm. you know, them and their, I, you know, I'm not anti-military. I'm not. I know so many people who have served and. You know, in in wars, also my, my own father. Uh, I know a lot of folks who served in the first uh, Persian Gulf conflict when we went to war with Iraq in '91 and late 1990. And I, you know, there's supposed to be all this honor amongst these people, mm-hmm. and it's it just from the military to the Congress to the Senate, just lies. I mean, uh, uh, isn't the co-host a a, a new parent now? Yep, I am. Are you going to, you're just going to, you know, we, we as citizens just have to take these lies. We just got to take it. Yeah. We don't raise our children this way. We teach them the exact opposite. We teach them all these things. And yet our elected officials and our military's top brass all the way down to the recruiters, one lie on top of the other, taking advantage of children, basically, who have no experience well they're in life.
0: inexperienced teenagers that much is for sure. And, I don't know if I would qualify
8: and, them as I mean, children this is this is just this is such predatory and, and it's right. so it's that creditor mentality and I, I think a guy like that I mean if I was that child's father, he'd have me to deal with, and I don't care who he thinks he is. you know I'm not somebody if I don't have any children, but if I'm ever involved in raising any you know. They're not going to be trampled upon, treated like this in any way, shape, or form without consequences. You know, these parasites, a tick is a parasite. And tradition has it that when you remove a tick, you burn it. That's
0: uh, all I had to say, gentlemen. Well, right. nice. I don't know if that's advocating violence or not, but we oh. certainly don't advocate violence. Burn off ticks. That was all. a great call. Uh, very passionate. I like callers with passion. That's for sure. And I don't. You know, I, I think, can't agree. I that think they, he's right
1: about the honor um, situation. I think that's that they, what they claim. Th- yeah, yeah. Th- they want us. You know, the the average guy to be honorable because you can take advantage of a guy who's on. Um, you know, honorable. If you're dishonorable. Yeah. You can if if you get into a relationship, a dishonorable person in a relationship with an honorable person can take advantage of them that they want that. The only thing an honorable person can do is say, yeah, f- fool me once, shame on you, mm-hmm. fool me twice, shame on me. But if you take advantage of a bunch of people one time, you you can you know, you, you've you got yourself quite a little system, a little scam going.
0: This is true. I can't say I agree with uh with Tom about his viewpoint that this is in some way our military or our. Uh, you know, uh, elected officials, they're not mine. I mean, they might be Tom's, but they're not mine. Uh, I, do, I did not elect these people, and I do it's- not consent to all of this. I don't consent to any of this. And this is yet another reason why people that care about freedom and want to see things change need to do everything they can to non-cooperate with these federal gangsters. Stop paying them. Stop voluntarily contributing to this system of violence and threats. Well, it's disgusting it's, what they're doing. He was doing.
1: just using a figure of speech. I understand I
0: mean, that, but I like I I need I think it's important to point out that they are not my representatives. They're not my rules. They're not my. It's not my military. I don't consent to any of this, and I will not pay for it. And I don't think that you should either. At least if you feel the same way as I do about this, if you're as outraged as you should be about this kind of behavior. You think you can just elect a few more different people to office? Oh, well, we've got a Republican in there now. Let's elect a Democrat this time, or maybe a different Republican, or whatever. You think you can elect these people and they're going to go in and change the system? It's always the same. Stuff. It whether seems less the, and less likely to me every day. Whether it's the recruiters getting caught red-handed with this threatening demeanor and this attitude, or whether it's the, I mean, just looking in the military, whether it's the military hospitals getting caught with decrepit, uh, moldy, disgusting conditions for the uh, the veterans that are be, that are staying there, whatever, whether it's FEMA getting caught, you know, not actually delivering water to the people that need it and just, you know, allowing people to die that didn't have to die, you, you can go issue after issue eventually. Event after event of government getting caught red-handed doing something that directly harms people, I mean, beyond the fact that government itself is just inherently harmful because they're threatening you with uh, hurting you if you don't pay taxes, but directly resulting in people's harm. It's always brushed aside. There's always some bureaucrat that comes out and says it's under investigation. We can't comment on that now, but rest assured we are going to make sure that we change things out. And sometimes if there really is a lot of public pressure, like if it's more than just 11 news from Houston reporting on it, if it's something that blows up to you know nationwide kind of coverage, Mm -hmm. then if there's a lot of pressure on it, then what they'll do is they'll take the really important step of changing out ahead of the bureaucracy. That's what we saw with FEMA after the, the debacle of Hurricane Katrina and everything that happened after that. The right. FEMA had their hands all over. Well what did they do? They brought you know, they said, Oh, well, we're gonna change and we're gonna reorganize and look, here's proof. We're taking the executive director out and we're replacing him with a new bureaucrat. Now we've got fresh blood in the organization and everything's going to change. But they made the same old bureaucratic consultant. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: I mean, they, but that didn't get the kind of coverage, Mark. The, no, uh, it just doesn't. And right. I, you know, I think from a national, uh, on a national scale and here in the United States that you're right. Um, I think that on a more local scale, I think that we can elect uh, state Elected officials that can, you know, shrink the size of government and we can count on them. I just think that the prize is too big and it's uh, the, the, the the bureaucracy is just too large on a national scale, um, scale for us, for we the people to have any kind of effect. I, you know, the incentives are messed up. The lobbyists are uh, the ones that are incentivized
0: to control the country. And we just have to pay for it. How do you feel about that, uh, his comments there, Nick? I mean, as far as the federal government and and trying to change it, is it even possible in your mind?
3: I used to hold out more hope than I do currently. I think there's a possibility to influence it to some extent, but as far as actually realistically being able to even return to the Constitution, which would make – that would make me happy. I mean – We can argue about whether we need to abolish government entirely or go further than simply going back to the Constitution, but I I don't think you can even do that effectively at a federal level. I just don't think it can happen.
0: It's one of the reasons why secession is something that people need to start talking about again, and we've discussed it on the show a number of times. And we've speculated about how people feel about it. I mean, certainly our audience is more inclined to favor secession than your average American. But what do average Americans think about the idea of a state government saying, nah, we've had about enough of this union thing. We're out of here. How do people feel about that? We've got some interesting numbers from the Zogby organization. And Nick, you're going to share those with us here in moments. We'll also take your calls as well about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And yeah, Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free on the site, so enjoy them all for uh, on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove that they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Still to come, the interesting statistics about Americans and how they feel about secession. But first, we go to Ryan in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ryan.
9: Hey, Ann. Hey, Mark. Uh,
0: Nick's here, too. What's on your mind?
9: I want to talk about uh, workplace regulation. Okay. Okay. uh, So I've I've been uh, working a full-time job, working 40 hours a week, and the state makes me take a half-hour break. I take a half-hour lunch every day. Okay. And the mistake makes me take an additional half-hour break against my will. So basically, they're making me work 30 minutes longer every day for no reason.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Can you split up the other half-hour break into two 15-minute breaks, or does it have to be take, taken concurrently?
9: The point is, it doesn't matter, because I want to get home or half an hour earlier, but I've got to wait there for half an hour to take my break.
0: How old are you? He's right.
9: 18.
0: Oh, okay, so this is something that applies to this adults. Is to everybody, yeah. yeah I, I thought it might have been, been adult, like a 16-year-old yeah. thing or something like that. No. Yeah, well, that's what adult. the state does. Uh, they get in there and they uh, they create regulations that control how private people can uh, organize themselves about how your business has to be run and how uh, the employees have to do certain things. And they also, of course, won't let people work more than 40 hours a week without being paid overtime, which means the business has to pay a time and a half so they have to pay you what you make and then double you know 1.5 times essentially what what you make for that overtime which means that it's, they basically they you know they don't budget for that so you don't get more than 40 hours at most businesses as a result of that even though you yourself may be willing to say all right I'll work the extra 10 hours a week I'll work 50 hours a week and I'm willing to work for the same rate you can't make that decision you can't make those choices for yourself because you're Mommy and Daddy at the government have decided differently for you. Isn't it disgusting and and despicable?
9: Yeah, and at the end of the week, it adds up to two and a half hours, which is a large sum of time. And you add that up over a month, that's ten hours. You know, I could be saving ten hours a month if it weren't for the state.
0: That's a great point. And all of it's just, you know, you're just, what, sitting back in the break room just killing time?
9: I don't even take the breaks because I would rather just work. Just work. I have nothing better to do, you know.
0: But you're not on the clock, so you aren't even getting paid for that.
9: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Well, there you go. I mean, what else can you say? That's how There's things are. There's not much else to say about it. Yeah, get the would... hell out of California, my man. Well, I, I think that's yeah, probably really. the federal government. Oh, is it federal or oh. California?
9: It's. I think it's California, but hopefully, I'll see you in New Hampshire someday.
0: Awesome. Thanks.
1: Dude, have you, you signed call. up for the Free State Project oh, yet? Are you there?
9: Uh, yeah, uh, I haven't signed up. For, I haven't committed yet because I'm not ready to commit. But uh, once I am, I will.
0: All right. What's, what's holding you back? What's the objection? Uh,
9: I got to finish university first, and uh, well, see
0: what the wife has to say. But, oh, the wife. I okay. see. Well, I was going to so say the university you know, isn't a good. You excuse. got at least
1: five. At least five years. If uh, we completed the free state project tomorrow, you got five years to move. So um, university isn't uh, entirely an issue. And uh, but obviously, there's family commitments. I don't get involved in family commitments. I think they're important, and uh, I, 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 can, I will not diminish them.
0: So, Yeah, I would never tell you to leave your wife behind. Thanks for the call, man. Certainly appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. But I can tell
1: you, my wife followed me to New Hampshire. She wasn't terribly excited about the whole idea of moving here. How does but- she
0: feel about it now? Because it's grown on you, I know that much. Yeah, I, this is my home. Um, you gush about living here now, which is great.
1: You know, there's there's things I don't like about the uh, sort of small-towny, rednecky ass
0: atmosphere. Yeah, but, I mean, what's funny is, uh, to those of you who've been listening for the past couple of years, when Mark first got here, he was ready to turn around and go home, ready to go back down to Florida. You were begging me to let you do the show remotely, mm-hmm. and uh, you're telling me, oh, it's too provincial here, it's not urban enough, it's not metro kind of enough of a lifestyle for me like I used to have, and I said, "Well, just tough it out, man." And, and you know, you were concerned about not making friends. You weren't interested in being friends with the Free Staters. Uh, and then, you know, two years later, here you are—not even quite, two, not even two years later, a year and a half later—here you are. You've built your own home with the Free Staters' help. You're now Woods. close friends with these guys that you initially didn't really think you'd end up being friends with. And uh, it's however the one nowhere. that I the
1: one that I identified as uh, most likely to be my friend. Uh, it is you know probably my my
0: favorite of them, uh, Lauren Canario's husband. So, there you go. Well well very good. I'm glad you were right about that. But now instead of living in Keene, which is more of a or more certainly more urban than where you are, you're out in the middle of nowhere and, and you're loving it. I mean the house is beautiful. You've gushed to me about how great the, the view is at nighttime, for instance, since mm-hmm. you aren't near any lights. Aliens you can look out and you can see all the stars and you've got a bird, uh, bird house right out in front of your office window, you can got sit probed. and watch there do things. Mm-hmm. It's so so life's a little slower, but it's not necessarily any worse. It's different.
1: Uh, I I think uh as far as how Laura's liking it, she likes um, the pace of it. You know, oh, really? that, that's fine. You know, she can. She, she, well, she's she's a stay at home mom. Okay. Um, and I don't want to make it seem like that's not working, but it but it allows a certain level of flexibility. Um, she she has her job that she does remotely a little bit, probably, mm-hmm. you know, five hours a week or something, um, you know, enough to keep the checking account uh, free because she gets uh, gotcha. the, the, the remote deposit or whatever that's called uh, but she she seems to like it. However, you know there's there's this um this this free state thing that bo- that, that sticks in her <laughs> craw. Like I thought I was moving to a free state. What the hell? And, yeah, when, we've got to
0: make it uh, a little more it's, free. It's not free. Yeah. And, Get some work cut out
1: for us. You know that 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 part bothers her. And you know the things that are different that she doesn't like, and usually they have to do with the government. That part bothers her. So we're
0: working on that. Yeah. And that's the whole point of the Free State Project, is to move as many liberty-loving activists up here to New Hampshire as possible, to concentrate them in one place, because the fact is, everything up until this point hasn't really been that successful. Yeah, the Libertarian Party and the think tanks and all those other liberty-oriented organizations out there, though I don't even know if I'd count the Libertarian Party as even close to liberty-oriented these days, but it was. the The state organization. Yeah. In the past, they had done a good job of bringing people to the message And telling people about liberty, but as far as actually achieving liberty in our lifetime, it doesn't really seem like any of those efforts have really uh, had any results. And so it makes sense to concentrate our activism all in the same place. And we're seeing already, based on the the few hundred early movers that have come here to New Hampshire, of which we are two, you and I, Mark – Uh, Of these few hundred early movers, there have been some amazing things happening here. And it's just getting better. More people are moving in. Uh, Every single, I mean, during the summer, I'd say we got new movers every week uh, here to New Hampshire. And certainly all year long, people are coming in by the end of this year. We're expecting to have the first 1,000, the first 1,000 people here as part of the Free State Project. More coming after that. And if you want to learn more about the Free State Project, you need to go to freestateproject.org to find out all the details, find out about how the, how you can sign up customized based on certain uh, events or factors in your life that will occur to decide as far as when you will move as opposed to just signing up the generic sign-up uh, pledge that says that you'll move when they reach 20,000 or within five years after the organization reaching 20,000 members. Currently, it's around 8,000, a little over 8,000 members, and so there's a ways to go. We've got a lot of building to do here. And it's funny, too, when you hear people talk about the Free State Project, those who are not really uh, interested in it, those who are in the Liberty Movement but sort of are opposed to the Free State Project Mm -hmm. for whatever, whatever reason, when you hear them talk about it, they act as though it's over and done with. They act as though, oh, well, you guys, look, you didn't do anything for Ron Paul in the 2008 primary. You guys didn't do anything. And, and, uh, the, and we missed, and the Free State
1: Project missed the first
0: date um, that they had set oh, yeah, for themselves. Oh, you missed your goals, and you guys are done. It's over. But it hasn't barely begun, so those people aren't even paying attention. 800-259-9231, secession is the answer to this federal government problem. More on that here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Eight. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy them all, including the bulletin board system. You can get interactive with a couple thousand of our listeners. We've got over 375,000 posts. A lot to talk about, all for free, at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com.
1: It's the cure for naked. Jumptees.com. Get funny, sexy, clever t-shirts at jumptees.com. Don't go through life naked. Get jumped. Jumptees.com. Pants not included. com is not responsible for customers not wearing pants.
0: 800-259-9231. We go to your call. Still to come, we'll talk about secession and how Americans feel about it. But first, to Michael in New Hampshire on the Amp Line. Hello, Michael. Oh, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, sir. What's on your mind?
10: Well, uh, actually, child pornography is on my mind. Oh, dear. dear your and, God. Uh... You Okay. <laughs> I um yeah I'm yeah I'm okay. Um, the the reason I came this 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 needs a little setup because I'm about a week behind on the podcast and uh, I just listened to the show where I think it was actually Paula in Florida. Uh, I don't I think it was her who suggested that we should build a uh, private internet where uh, only the people that were invited onto it could be on this network and you said something about uh well if they crack down on the internet the uh the hackers will free us and uh i'm one of those hackers <laughs> and uh i'll tell you what there already are several different projects out there and and i want to talk about one of them where where ironically all the child pornography is okay now, you've pre- You've probably heard that uh, in the news reports, oh, the the Internet's full of child porn and, and you'll stumble across it every five minutes. And no, this is this is not true. When's the last time you've seen child
1: porn? I've never seen never seen anything like it been on the Internet since 1998. Never, never well, seen it. Well, you know, depends on never the seen definition. It, anyone. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, depending on the definition, but not have what I, I would call child porn.
0: Have I seen naked teen girls on the Internet that I did not know for certain what their ages were? Yeah, I've seen that. But are we talking about, Uh, like, sexual activity with children that haven't been through puberty yet? That's pretty rare.
10: uh, Yeah, sexual activity with uh, teenagers, even, like, 12-year-olds. And uh, the the reason I bring this up, because these these two kind of tie together. Uh, One of these anonymous private internets is called TOR, T-O-R. Okay. And you can look that up. Um, what this does, Tor is kind of an anonymizing network where, when you use it, you can visit a website, and the website has no idea who you are or where you came from. So the website the website has a much harder time tracking you and determining, like, oh, this guy lives in Manchester, New Hampshire, and so on and so forth. But uh, the other thing about Tor. Is that they have these hidden services on there? Which, uh, if you're using Tor, they're these sequences of random numbers and letters that you use to get to a website like xr three eight one dot onion. Okay. And if you go to these sites, um, there there are a few central sites. There's one called core dot onion where uh, people just post links to different hidden services that are on the Tor network and. I discovered last week that a few of these are actually child porn. Okay. There, there are sites like uh, one of them is called Hard Candy. There's Torpedo, Pedo Bay, and I'm glad uh, I'm not.
1: I, I, you know, I'm, I, Michael, I'm I'm glad that I'm not going to stumble across these now that you've given me the warning. But how, what's the what's the benefit to uh, me or the average listener?
10: Well, here's the thing. It, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you can use Tor to protect yourself, to to avoid being traced, to avoid being tracked, to to be anonymous on the network, and to and even to communicate with other people anonymously. There there are hidden wikis on here, there are hidden blogs, hidden forums. You can you you can discuss anything on here. There's I I, I could go on and on, and and people do discuss pretty much anything on Tor that that. that- that they don't want to discuss out in the open, and there's no way to track these guys because all the web servers that you access through Tor, they're not going to have your IP address. You're going to look like you came from Europe or Antarctica or something like that.
0: And is the hosting and, also anonymized? Is the the, the the hidden sites that you're talking about in there, is also impossible to track where those are being hosted?
10: Yeah, it's it's not possible to find out where the hidden service is through Tor. So you access these Onion sites, and you have no idea where they are. They're just a bunch of random numbers and letters, and everything's, everything's encrypted. And, and I don't want to go into all the technical details of the encryption, but the, the bottom line is that uh, there's no way to tell where on the planet this server is.
0: So already what Paula was talking about, it, it, the alternative Internet or a super private Internet, it essentially already exists. You mentioned this Tor thing. I know there's another one out there called Freenet. I, I've actually tried Freenet. It's very confusing. It's not user-friendly. I don't know how Tor is as far as uh, user-friendliness is concerned. But what yeah. you, what
10: Tor is really user-friendly. You you install it. There's a There's a little thing called Vidalia that comes up. You click on it. Uh, it sets your proxy for you, so so everything in your in your uh, Firefox or Internet Explorer, everything goes through Tor and uh it just makes everything pretty easy for you so, so
0: basically are you pointing out I mean you brought up the, the issue of child pornography here is the, is the point of your call or at least one of the points that you're saying that look there's it's easy for those who know how to go and get their hands on this stuff completely anonymously and that essentially the only people that you're seeing getting busted for child porn in the the news media are the guys that do, you know they really just don't know what they're doing they're you know going into chat rooms and they're trying to trade with anonymous other people who could very well be cops i mean the, the, the people that that have some idea about how to stay anonymous are completely safe from any sort of uh, prosecution
10: oh yeah i mean if if i wanted i could go on these these uh, hidden sites and i could download child porn all day all day and all night no one would ever know but uh, that and that's part of the point the uh, the other part of the point is that you have this you have this structure you have this system where you can be anonymous, you can avoid being traced. you can do th- you can do things out of the sight of the government who maybe uh, maybe you live in Iran and the government 's going to put you in front of a firing squad if you speak out against the government. so you mm-hmm. get on tour and you can blog about what your government 's doing to you, and you can be relatively safe from the firing squad.
0: And someone, I mean, theoretically, someone could take the blog from Tor, which is completely anonymous, they could take that and copy it to the real Internet on a different blog. You know, like, for instance, if you were in China, uh, you could post what's going on anonymously and have somebody outside of the country repost that publicly. So it really could be used to uh, to help spread information as well. So what you're pointing out is it's valuable for more than just uh, illicit porn. It's uh, valuable Thank to goodness. anybody that's looking to stay out of the purview <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, it's valuable to anyone right. that's looking to stay, to have their communications stay, whatever those are, out of the purview of the uh, the law enforcement people.
10: Exactly. Well, uh, the, the law enforcement people can use TOR, too, but uh, they can, if you're on there, they can't – if they get on TOR, they can't tell who you are or where you came from because um, if you run a hidden service and, – and I have one of these hidden services. I, I'm not going to speak about what it is or where it is, but uh, in the logs for this hidden service – Everything looks like it came from localhost, so you can't tell where these people came from.
0: brilliant. I think it's brilliant. excellent news very good, Michael. anything but, else to share
10: so i I guess in summary the the issue is yes, you can have these anonymous, secure communications, but people are going to do things that you don't like
1: with it yeah you know i I, I can see that and i I like my privacy in certain instances too, but I, I and you know the fact is people are going to uh, you know use them for things that I don't like. What are you going to do about it? Yep, it's a great call, and, and, Michael. And
10: that- that's the answer. Nothing. You you accept it and you move on.
0: Right, and, um, and for don't the most part,
10: obey.
0: And people on the internet, for the most part, have accepted that there are undesirable elements on there, whether it be porn or whether it be you know the the death photos or whatever the the videos it is that people are offended by. They don't have to go and encounter those things. And if they get us so offended that they want to bring a government in to try to crack down on the speech that they don't like, oops, sounds like they're coming to see Michael. Thanks for the call, dude. <laughs> Anyway, if That'll they teach him. you know if they get so upset and they want to crack down with the government to try to create rules for what anybody can do online, it's clear that those who want to do what they want to do are going to find ways around those rules based on these services that Michael's talking about. Now it's completely anonymous. More coming up, you bring up whatever you want. This is free talk live secession. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything in these remaining moments at 1 800 259 9231. CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free. So enjoy all them on us at freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then we ask you shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Entering Amazon through that link results in Free Talk Live getting a percentage of your purchase. Any category, forty-one plus categories to shop in, even used items. Whatever it is you buy, Free Talk Live will get a percentage. And I think I got the numbers back from the month of May today, and we did better than April. Uh, went up from like a thousand bucks in April to eleven $1, hundred bucks in May. So not bad. Uh, that all went into uh, to Free Talk Live. Thanks to Who's those we? of you. <laughs> Well, we as in uh, the show, you benefit from this money, Mark. It gets uh, plugged back in in the form of new equipment and, uh, of course, uh, new affiliates come on board and because the AMP program and is... And it's, it's
1: okay when you get to eat, too. That
0: does help. So, uh, once again, go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and get your shopping done as we go to Don in Missouri. Don, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, Don, uh, what's on your
11: I was calling to respond to the guy that called in yesterday about uh, his son smoking marijuana.
0: Yes, his eight year old uh, son.
11: Yes. Uh, Really, I think you sit down and you talk to him because he's eight and he does have some type of understanding of, you know, this is bad. I don't see that you have to reason with the kid and say, you know, I don't think, you know, marijuana is a good thing or, you don't have to go through all the studies. You sit and you tell him there's consequences for your actions. This is my house. These are the rules that you need to follow. These are the same thing I would tell my son if put in this position to where he's smoking at eight years old. Um, so you would put the ball back in his court because he would understand. Like, look, nothing's going to happen this time, you know. But you, this cannot continue to go on under my roof. You're putting me in a bad position, and uh, you have government can possibly get involved you can
0: so it'd be all right then with you if your son went out and smoked outside your house that'd be okay
11: no it wouldn't be all right if he went outside my house and smoked i mean
0: so what is it you want you want him to stop smoking marijuana
11: i would want him yes bottom line is he would have to stop
0: and how are you going to how are you you going to how are you going to assure yourself that he has indeed stopped
11: I really can't. You can't watch your uh, child 24-7. One thing I can do is uh, basically having to monitor his actions, not uh, harping over him or uh, following him around constantly. But, you know, go into his room, check on things, see if I see anything unusual, out of the ordinary. Um, you think he'll, you, you think anyway, he'll appreciate he that? He will appreciate found out how he was smoking.
0: Do, do you think he'll appreciate you doing that? Or will it he get upset matter. I
11: mean, it doesn't matter what he appreciates. I mean, like I said. I Well, I, I guess it does, I mean, if you don't care what I'll your kid thinks choice. about you, then it doesn't no, matter. No, what I'm saying is I'm giving him a choice. I'm telling the him that what? this is. Uh, the choice is, is that this is my house. I'm not going to punish you for what you did, but you have to understand the position that you're putting me in. He's eight, so I would believe that he would be able to understand, at least I was, that, hey, this could be harmful to me and my family. So I would approach the situation in that manner of. Hey this is not going to help us yeah. out I want us to be together uh I can yeah.
1: I can, I can appreciate the, that, that part, you know, the, the explaining the consequences um, to his of his actions and that kind of thing. I just wonder um, if, you know, saying you cannot do this um, is going to just, you know, cause the kid to... Oh, yes, I can. Not, not tell, you know, for one, tell you, um, not tell you what's going on in his life if he d- does decide to do it. As you said, you can't control whether or not he does it. You can just really control whether or not he tells you if he's doing it. Um, and if
0: he... And how honest he is with you in general. General.
1: Right. And, and, you know, that's and, you know, searching his room, I suspect, will probably, you know, that's that's just more of that situation. And I just got better at hiding things. Sir. I don't know. I mean, I'd rather if my kid was going to smoke marijuana, if that's what he's going to choose to do, I don't want him to believe me. But if he chooses to do that, I guess I'd rather know about it um, so that I can, you know, make decisions based on the truth than not know about it. You know, what I mean,
11: uh, uh, yeah, I understand that. But you would still have to communicate with to him. And I'm not saying that you would just say, OK, you can't. You're going to shut everything down. No, but he must understand that this cannot go on. I mean, of course, we still live in a place to where government can come into your house and take Mm -hmm. over and take your kids from you. So what you're telling me is that, okay, don't do anything and just allow him to do what he wants to do and then wait till the government comes and then you'll say, well, oh, well.
0: No, that's not yeah, what anyone's... I don't think that was the, the suggestion scripture. last night. The suggestion last night was that you sit down and you talk to your son, as you were suggesting at least, about the possible consequences, but at the same time understanding that there's no point in being, uh, you know, authoritarian about it, because you have to understand that he is going to do what he's going to do, at least if you can communicate to him that this could possibly put you in danger, that increases the chances that he'll respect you, whereas if you're going to tell him that you're going to start searching his room and well, that you're going to be Authoritarian why would him. I
11: tell him why would I tell him that I'm gonna start searching his he's room? He's gonna find out when
0: he figures it out that you've ruffled through his stuff.
11: And and that is fine. But here again though, this is this is not going from uh me communicating with him and going straight to being authoritarian. What I'm saying is that you communicate with him, you put the ball back in his court, you set steps up. So if he continues to do these things, you must take further action. You can't continue to allow these things to go on. What are you gonna and do? Put you I mean, into
0: jeopardy. He's still gonna he lock him in you, his room? Whatever, no. But what well, how are you going to stop to him do? from going outside, okay, meeting so with so his friends in the forest, to in the and getting high?
11: People, The government comes and into your house. What do you do then? Well,
0: that would require the, him to get caught and snitch you out, and that's the point of talking to him. do not, you not don't even tra- snitching me out. What are you don't...
11: talking to his friends? He can talk to somebody else and say, yeah, man, I'm smoking pot, and he's at school talking to his buddy. I got some pot at the house. Yeah. His uh, I'm pretty else, sure they can't
0: you know, get a warrant based on the rumors of children. I mean, I don't, I don't think uh, it's gone that bad me yet. Child
11: Protective Services can't come walk into people's house when you guys actually did stories about. Them just don't answer that.
0: the door, my friend. If the cops show up or Child Protective Services shows up, if anybody shows up you aren't expecting at your house and they're from the government, you don't talk to them and you don't let them in. I, that's, 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 and, I, and you, I talked
1: to my wife about that uh, this week. I think that that's a really important thing for parents to know is that when Child Protective Services comes to your house, they are not there to protect your child. Nope. They're not going to do anything good for you. Um, okay, even, and it, it, what if
11: they pick your child up at school? It's not like they can't stop you. Uh, pick your child up don't from there. Don't send your kid to government and school. And that,
1: and that. Well, I, I of think of course
11: that... you're making up all these options, but you're not even realizing that majority of the kids go to public school. Sure, I'm not that needs that to my change, my friend. Could, I'm just saying, I'm speaking from a general term, and the general thing is people go to public schools.
1: Yeah. Well, I, they need I, to stop. I respect where you're coming from. I really do. Can't I, even.
11: I, you don't even have an argument for. I'm not. I'm, I'm not talking to you more. But I I'm know. saying you're just saying don't do something, but you're not even giving real solutions to the issue when. Hey, those are real solutions, man. Any, if you're scared entire.
0: your kid's going to get picked up at the government school, don't send them to the government school. Well, Problem solved. I, I, don't I don't think that's the issue. That at, the, uh,
11: at the ballpark but when his father didn't
0: know he had a drink? He wasn't at school.
11: He was on public property. So your kid can be picked up at any time, which is the point that I'm trying to make. I understand it's not, that. It's not just about government school. It's about if somebody reports your kid, and whenever they can get an opportunity, mm-hmm. whether they knock on your door and can't get you then, they will get you sometime, somehow. Well, I think I,
3: I think I agree with the caller. Actually, I, I think it's about more than just whether the government's going to step in. If you have an eight-year-old who's using marijuana, personally, I don't think you can be as lazy fair as what you advocate. Ian, with an eight-year-old, I think maybe if with the first instance, sit down and explain the you know the possible ill effects. That you don't have to freak out on them. But if it's something they're continuing to do, I would advocate locking them in the house and not letting. I mean, just don't let them out. I guess, just, you know, if you have you know, the ability, uh, your kid's going to hate you, man. for a
1: while. Uh, wait, wait, no, Thanks, wait, Don, for wait the call. Second. Thank Appreciate you, Don. It. Um, you know, I talked to my wife, who is a drug treatment counselor for, you know, like, this is what her job is. And she couldn't come up with a solution. There's, uh, you know... She, and have she, your
0: kids still love you,
1: you mean? Right. There's just... I, you no, know, I, don't, I, I can't figure out what the solution is, and to me... If I have the option, and and Don brought up some really good points there, the government is going to come try to get your kid, try to take your house away, try to put you in jail over all this if your kid decides to smoke marijuana and really decides to do it. And there's, you know, she she was in um, in with people that they started doing drugs at at eight years old. What are you going to do with that personality?
3: I'm not saying you're necessarily going to get a good conclusion out of it. I just don't think they're trying to be hands off with an. I'm, I'm with trying to. I'm trying to get a good conclusion. I, I mean, I'd rather not,
1: have my kid
3: smoke marijuana but and be good, with me. Yeah, that's not a good solution. I don't think.
0: I think. I it, don't yeah, think it's it is the either. real world. I mean, the real world <laughs> is if you tell your kid no and you punish him, he's going to hate you and probably be more uh, likely to go out there and do more drugs than just marijuana. Not. And I, you
3: know, I, I don't think most people see it that way. I don't think that. Everybody well, I don't care who, how they
0: see it. I'm. Telling you what I would feel, how I would feel if my parents uh, were behaving toward me in uh, that way. Julia, when she, my girlfriend, when she came ho- home from being out, her mom would grab her by the arm, pull her, pull her over to her, and sniff her to see if she smelled like marijuana. And that was just one example of the many uh, things that was done that were not very good parenting tactics. Because now Julia doesn't respect her mom in any way, shape, or form as a result of how she was treated. Yeah, but there like a pl- prisoner.
3: Yeah, I'm not saying how most people see it. I'm seeing how most People have been punished by their parents at some point for some kind of ill behavior, like smoking a joint. And they don't hate their parents after the fact. And in some cases, they actually believe that it was good that their parents stepped in. So not everybody reacts negatively to having a, well, it's a your strong kid. influence like you that. You can
0: handle it however you want. I'm just telling you how I would feel and people that I you know associate with. Uh, would feel about that. Hey, you know what? I wish we had time for the secession story. We don't. It's been in here with you. And yeah, Nick. And Mark. See you tomorrow night. FreeTalkLive.com.
5: You ever have one of those days where everything goes right?